You're listening to Quantum Conversations with Karen Curry Parker. Join us as we explore new frontiers in consciousness, science, and evolution. And now here's your host, Karen Curry Parker. Since the beginning of humanity, we've looked to the stars for answers. Gifted people can read the stars and help us understand the themes playing out in our own evolution. The stars do not forecast the future, but they carry the themes that help us choose which direction we will take ourselves. This isn't sorcery. Scientific evidence suggests that our physiology is impacted deeply by celestial movement. When I worked as a midwife, it was common knowledge that full moon energy would bring more babies. Many physicians, nurses, and emergency medical technicians, people who aren't often prone to suspicious beliefs, will swear that the full moon energy brings more intense cases and even a heavier patient load. Many modern astrologers hypothesize that a code for the evolution of humanity is written in the stars and that the energy humanity is wrestling with is part of a bigger scheme a universal plan assisting us in creating a new world, a world that will eventually be rooted in the themes of sustainability and peace. But we can't get there until we do our work. The disruptive planetary themes that are at play right now are heating up evolutionary themes on the planet. We are witnessing the end of polarity and old archetypes that have created the themes of lack, powerlessness, and suppression. The planets suggest that we will get to the other side of this struggle, but how we get through the struggle is ultimately up to us. Will we resist or will we embrace the shift and hold steady with the vision of the world we are meant to manifest? Join me for this empowering quantum conversation with Kim Gold, creator of Emergent Human Design, as we talk about the celestial weather and planetary shifts. Hi, and welcome to Quantum Conversations. I'm Karen Curry Parker, and I'm really excited to welcome here today, Kim Gold. Kim has spent the last 14 years as a human design specialist, deeply living what she teaches. Since 2003, Kim has been a mentor, a coach, and a teacher to people from all around the world, supporting them to access their own unique way to create personal change. She's the founder of loveyourdesign.com and creator of Emergent Human Design, where she brings the personal reveal of the goddess asteroids, the higher consciousness of human design subtle layers, the personal evolutionary edge of the human design progressions, and completely new human design strategies based on quantum science. Each year, Kim leads the Emergent Women's Program and the Emergent Human Design Coaches Training. Welcome, Kim. I'm, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. I've been mulling about this and thinking about this for weeks now, so I'm so glad uh, you're here. Good. Thank you, Karen, and um, happy to be here. And this has been years in the making, I think, because we've <laughs> talked many times about having at least at least a conversation, if not more. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm glad the time is now, so... So I have to, just because a lot of people don't know what human design is, let's start first with sharing just a short, you know, sentence or two. What is human design 
And then I want to, I really want to go into your journey into your personal touch on human design. So what is human design? Sure. It's it's always a good question <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and always one that leaves people a little bit like, huh? Uh, but what I, what I probably would say at this stage, if I had to describe it at this stage, is if we bring four ancient wisdoms together, I Ching, Kabbalah, chakras and astrology and put them together in a chart and we read that the way we would an astrology chart so it's a personal chart so we bring these four ancient wisdoms together and put them into this personal chart what we can also do what is becoming more and more a part of my work is to see the way in which those four ancient wisdoms also hold within them all of the modern sciences so not only is it bringing together all of the wisdoms from around the world from our ancient human heritage it's also bringing in the way in which they already had access to what science is just teaching us now about the quantum world and and the the power of it is it's all there in a personal chart. So it's how you connect with all of those energies. What's your um, potential to change, to grow into this new world that we're creating at the moment? Well, very well said. I, I often say, and I should probably do a quick reveal for those of you who don't know, because I don't talk about this a lot on Quantum Conversations. I am also a human design specialist, but I really want to focus on Kim and Kim's Kim's understanding of it in this conversation. But it's an interesting science, human design, though, or, or an interesting body of wisdom. Um, yes. I always like to say it's it's a collection of everything the grandmothers have been saying for thousands of years, and now we get to prove it. Um, but the, you know, the it has a very interesting energy. I mean, it's a channeled system. I think it is to a certain degree. I think at least in its first emergence, it was a rather cold system, I think, I found, as a woman especially, I found it to be sort of a very cold system. And yet, you have taken this this very, I think, sort of database-driven system and really brought in an element of the feminine to it to make it much more accessible and much more heart-based. And one of the things that you've done is you've really added the element of looking at the goddess asteroids and mm. feminine qualities in the analysis or the interpretation of the material in the chart. So one of the things you talk about is the dormant feminine. Tell me a little bit about the dormant feminine and what is that? Well, if I can perhaps just go back to human design and, and for anyone who's not familiar with it, perhaps you can use astrology, think of astrology. If we look at the standard planets, what we've got is mostly masculine archetypes. Um, it, there's, where are the feminine archetypes? We've got Venus and the Moon in a standard astrology or human design chart. How do women actually explore themselves within that context? And, uh, I mean, we can obviously look out at um, our governments, uh, our, our um, leading global corporate um uh, you know, businesses and see that it's the people who are making decisions, the people who are creating our culture, creating our society, creating our economic systems, um, creating our educational systems, all these things, they're, they're mostly men and women's voices haven't really been a part of that for a very, very, very long time. One of the things that I do in the Emergent Women's Program is that I help women to understand how they have adapted themselves to that system and that their own innate and what I call original capacity for creation from the feminine aspect 
is very, very different. So they're not actually even living embodied in their natural way of being, becoming and creating. It's so dormant and so um, under the radar that women as individuals are not even aware of it in themselves. And what's interesting, if we look at the recent uh, discoveries in in the modern sciences, in in complexity, chaos, um, systems theory, in in quantum theory, even in epigenetics, for instance, in cosmology, in in all of these areas, in the in the science of consciousness, if we look at these new uh, modern areas of science and what science is discovering now, much of it aligns much more closely with the way women live in the world. This idea of living with uncertainty that we we can never predict an outcome; we have to be present here in the moment. And, and live in this moment as a process of becoming, dealing with constant change and and continually reassessing where we are and where we want to go to be able to tap into our bodies and and feel the, the density but the tremendous power of the intelligence of the body. All of these things come from all of this new science and women have suppressed, perhaps mostly unconsciously, have suppressed all of these tools. But now these tools are absolutely absolutely necessary for us, I think, for our survival, certainly as humans on this planet. Mm, well said. It's the thing that I've been hearing over and over again as I've been talking to people on quantum conversations in the last few weeks especially is uh, everybody keeps saying we're shifting and we're shifting away from masculine energy to feminine energy. And I keep going back to the idea of Newtonian physics, which is you know, very, very linear, very, very dense, very material. What you see is what you get kind of with Newtonian physics, right? Yeah. Moving into this quantum era, which, you know, began really emerging in the 1920s. And I think not coincidentally emerging with theosophy and Madame Blavatsky and unity, you know, unity Christianity and new thought, all of this, uh, Ernest Fillmore, uh, Ernest Holmes, science of the mind, all of this sort of your thoughts create your reality and in that kind of mindset emerging along with this new science of physics, this quantum science, the science of possibilities. Do you think that the quantum consciousness is the embodiment of the feminine aspect of being human? And are we shifting from a masculine era to a feminine era? I take a fairly long-term view on this, and I think that we, um, <laughs> you know, we had the the early matriarchal times, and um, we can view them in in a number of different ways. Then, of course, as I say, that the um, the tribes came down from the steps on their horses with their weapons, and this was an entirely new way of being, and um, that was the the patriarchy, which we are in the end days of now. And I, I don't think what we're seeing now is a rise of the feminine so much as an understanding that those two um, uh, energies or forces need to be working as a team. Um, they need to work together because they're complementary, in fact. So I think that what we're seeing is a rebalancing rather than the feminine coming back into an ascendancy. Bless you for saying that because, I, you know, that's definitely been my sense as well and I, I yeah. think it's important to bring it back into balance, but I think. And it's interesting, Karen, isn't it? Even the idea of balance. Uh, balance is not a thing in 
in um, the this new science. Balance. Di- <laughs> it, it, there's no such thing as balance. There's no. It, uh, well, if the, there is, but it, it means that you're dead if you balance because <laughs> we we <laughs> need to live with. We're living with this constant change and and fluctuation and and attunement and becoming and and so even though I talk about balance, um, there's that in itself doesn't mean it's going to settle into place. And oh look, we're here now. We can all relax. It doesn't work like that. We're actually bringing those two things together, we're coming to a place of, um, of incredible creativity. That's perfect. And I, the, the thing that I keep coming back to is, and I agree with you totally about the balance, is that balance is still sort of this or that and somewhere in the middle. And I think what we see, and, and I'm, I keep looking at the, the concept of gender. Um, you know, I have eight children. Seven of them are millennials. We have mind-blowing conversations at our dinner table when they come home, especially around gender. Several of my, my children, our children have, you know, you know, various degrees of how they express the traditional definitions of gender at this point in time. And first of all, I'm always putting my foot in my mouth because I always have the vocabulary wrong. So I'll just put a disclaimer on it right now. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes by using the wrong vocabulary. Um, it just, it's just a very different paradigm than what I'm used to. But, but there's something there about even the definition of gender isn't this or that. It's a, a, a fluid expression of being human. And I think I see us, at least, I don't, I don't know how it is where you are right now, but I certainly would say here in the U.S., and I think you've had similar things happen politically in your country, you know, there's a lot of polarized energy. You're either this or you're this, and there's nothing in between. And if you don't figure out if you're this or this and you're somewhere in between or somewhere completely different yeah. on some spectrum, you don't have a place. And this polarized energy, male, female, Republican, Democrat, black, white, whatever, I think is really coming to an end. And, you know, I almost sense that we're like moving out of a binary system into a system that has so many more options than what's being expressed in this current time on the planet. Yeah, for sure. And the, as I said, I think we're in the end days of the patriarchy. And and what happens with evolution is when something gets to the it will well when something gets to the end of what's possible within its current structure, it has to change. And so what we're seeing is a whole lot of um, people and organisations and ways of thinking that don't want to change. And what evolution does when it when it gets to that point and it doesn't go forward, it, it starts to go backwards. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a, a, a desire to return to some so-called golden era. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what we're seeing on the other side, I think, and and that's very. Um, impersonal. It's it's based very much, as you said, on that kind of um, the old Newtonian way of thinking about the world. That the world is um, random. It's you know you you've got to struggle. It's hard work. You've got to have that. You you've got to get on and make something of yourself. And and if you don't, then it's your fault as an individual. So it's kind of we're all these. Um, separate individuals, and what we have on the other side of that. Um, polarization as you described it is is this more systems based way of thinking which is we're all in this together um the system you know the fields that connect us the field of fields of consciousness that connect us are as much a part of the um of the the experience as the individuals within it so we're seeing those two separate 
um, processes of evolution, I think, happening right now. So there's that backward movement, which is creating the polarization. And then the systems, you know, um, we've had, there's a dwarf planet called Eris, which has been very strongly activated at the moment. Um, it's just about to come to a completion, the activation. And Eris represents hacking, which <laughs> has been a big deal <laughs> in your country, um, uh-huh. but also peer-to-peer. And so there's this huge um, growth of, you know, the citizen journalists and and um, people, you know, marching and this kind of thing. And this is this is the new systems energy coming together. Um, can I also say on the gender thing, and I think part of the issue with the putting your foot in it with the gender thing is our language is gender-based. Totally. So it's almost impossible to have that conversation without um, gendering someone. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's just, you know, getting your mind around it too. Just as, because as you said, there's just a, a very gender-based way of looking at it. Totally. So... You know, human design, when it was first shared with the world, the man who brought the system forth first, Ra Ra Uruhu, talked a lot about what he calls the solar plexus mutation. And and I'm not, and to be honest with you, I'm not familiar with some of his later teachings on it. He may have changed his tune a little bit, but certainly in the beginning of his journey with sharing this information, he talked a lot about humans the human experience really being birthed, that we're not actually humans yet, we're pre-humans, and that that human experience would emerge in its full expression in 2027. But this story that he told about what was coming was, I think, pretty terrifying. He had a lot of dialogue about we're going to be living in compounds and defending ourselves with guns from other people who are not like us. And I never really could in any way, shape, or form align with that vision. It never felt right. And when I go through and I look at the changes predicted, I see a very different potential for the evolution of humanity. I would love to hear your take on where are we headed and what's up on the planet right now? Yeah, sure. Um, the dystopian view, I think, is part of the um, the end days of the patriarchy because listen to the fear there <laughs> and listen mm-hmm. to and look at the amount of money that's being put, for instance, into the military. Um, fear, is, fear is used as a manipulation, a tool of manipulation to keep people enslaved, literally, um, to um, keep people doing what they need to do. If you go back to uh, the Old Testament, for example, and you look at that fearsome God, and and this whole idea of discipline and punishment and you know these kinds of ideas it comes back to this idea of headship um which is central to authoritarian culture that the priests and the the heads of government and the heads of family reflect the glory of god they're closer to god and so the rest of us have to do as we're told without without question to question in itself is wrong. So this is all part of the end days of the patriarchy, this whole idea of the fear-based thing. The other thing, um, do you know about number 137? Mm-mm. Okay. So um, 137 is a number that um, mathematicians and physicists could not make any sense of. It just didn't fit into any – I'm not a mathematician. I can't explain this except that um, – physicists would spend, in fact, some physicists spent almost their entire lifetime trying to figure out the meaning of this number 137. 
In fact, it seems to represent the um, something to do with the connection between our material realm and the quantum realm and how these two things come together. So the quantum realm is is all the, you know, basically where everything is energy, where we can actually work with, with the material world from an energetic perspective. So this is where we're going. But how do we actually get to that level? How do we begin to live in that place? Because we're so accustomed to seeing everything as solid. You know, when I come home from work, I expect my kitchen table to still be a kitchen table and not a giraffe. Um, even though I've been thinking there's a giraffe in my in my kitchen all day. So how do we actually make the the shift from living in a world where we see things as, you know, material rather than than energy? And one three seven seems to be the link. Somehow or other, as I said, not a mathematician can't explain that. However, um, what's what I find really fascinating, and one of my friends who knows very little about human design said to me, but Kim, I've got those in my human design chart. And what I looked at was that there are, because human design uses the hexagrams of the I Ching, um, so hexagram 13 and hexagram 7 are actually what we might call programming partners in human design. So if we put those together, we get the number 137. And that fascinated me. And when I looked at the meanings, I did some deeper research into, by which I mean going back into traditional I Ching's, to have a look at the meaning of those two gates. And what they mean is our energy should not be stored in the military. It should not be stored in defensiveness. Our our energy should be stored in or should be used for creative purpose. The only time we should ever use our, and I'm thinking um, both personally and collectively, if you think about your own psychic energy and what you use it for, how much of that is defending our woundedness, how much of that is helping us feel safe when there's actually no legitimate uh, um, threat to us, to, to take that energy and use it for creation, to use it to be more um, sensitive to our environment, to use it to be more aware of the possibilities of for connection rather than to have so much of our own energy in defensiveness, into armouring, into keeping ourselves separate. So the 137, interestingly enough, being the connection between how do we get from the material world to the quantum world and in human design, the answer of for the 137 is use your energy for creation and connection rather than defensiveness and, and armouring. So I thought that was absolutely uh, astonishing and a, a fabulous example of what, how human design is just this incredible tool of consciousness that has practical applications in the real world. So let's have a look at the tremendous amount of money that's going into um into creating fear so that all of this money can be put into the industrial military complex and prevents us from actually connecting with each other and really realising the um, global consciousness that we're in the process of creating. The, can I just say on the 2027 thing, on this whole dystopian humans are becoming something else, blah, 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 uh, the astrology on that's all wrong. <laughs> ah, interesting. So I, I looked into it and I, it just does not it doesn't gel at all but that's another conversation I think <laughs> it's interesting and and I think you know I have always used human design as a loose guideline and uh, yeah. you know a, a place you know first of all I think the chart is a really beautiful way to with a third-party perspective to say look at this you're so beautiful you might have forgotten it but let me show you on this piece of paper what yeah. what's going on um 
But my my sense is, and and this isn't so much related to the date, but looking at the way the circuits change, is that you know with with the energy being rooted in in the fifty five, which is the spirit of abundance, or more importantly, I think the spirit of sufficiency. And I think that's a really important distinction because I think the energy of abundance is kind of part mm. of why we're in a little bit of a trouble. Um, but the energy of saying, okay, I. I when I am aligned emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, communally with the vibration of being sufficient, I am enough, you are enough, we are enough, we have enough, the world is enough, you know, then I am able to create the full expression of who I am in a, in a way that's not rooted in lack or I'm not enough or yeah. I don't have enough. And I think moving towards that as being a driving energy for all of us is you know, frankly, when I think about it, sometimes I think about just crying because it's it's if we can get that one little piece, I think mm. it would shift everything on the planet. Um, I, I I love this idea of sufficiency, and um, I, I think also something beyond that is the idea that we, I mean, the world is incredibly abundant. We we don't have to have sufficiency. We can have more than we can ever have ever dreamed of having in all kinds of ways. But we can only have that if we're prepared to change. And that's where we're at at the moment is this old energy that is structural, um, that believes in that stability is good, that that sees change and chaos as a threat. These are these are the really uncomfortable and difficult processes that we're moving through on an individual level at the moment. Um, we've been taught that change is something to be fearful of. Uh, we've been taught that if we go out on a limb or do something different, that we won't be supported, that we'll be blamed for not being self-responsible. These are all old system kinds of um, experiences. But in fact, when we bring in this whole sense of being sensitive to the environment, really flowing with our own experience of that, trusting our inner knowing. 55 is very much about um, the sun has been eclipsed. Uh, the only thing that I have to navigate my life by is the stars, my own inner knowing, my own understanding of my own purpose. These are the things that I navigate by. Um, I mean, you know, you go you, you go to someone and you say, oh, I'm giving up my job and I'm going to go and, you know, live in an ashram or whatever. That's a bit of an old example. But and people think you're mad, but it, but they don't say, well, if that if that's what your gut is telling you or yes, of course, that's the right thing to do. And it's all going to be fabulous. And I'm sure this is a blessed experience for you. You know, no, it's, you're mad. You're mad. Why are you doing that? So actually to shift into a place where we live as if change is normal, <laughs> which it is, as if change is a part of life, which it is, rather than from that structurally based, fear-based, old energy, um, the, the change actually brings abundance. Change allows us to be in a constant state of abundance. And um, just in terms of human design, we've had a lot of activations to gate 42 and, and that's shifting um, this week. But gate 42 is all about the idea that um, that growth cannot continue within a particular container. That container has to crack open and we go into a bigger space. We go into a different way of experiencing our life. And in that process, we have more abundance, more of who we are, more of our own experience, more connections, um, you know, 
so and then we fill that lovely space and we live in that and we experience it and we learn all there is to learn in that one and then again it cracks and we go and this is you know the quantum jumping concept we go to a bigger space and so in this way we have constant abundance but we have to let that container crack and we're right at a place now of this container cracking and we've been taught that the next level is terrifying and we shouldn't go there. And so it's kind of like we're all crowding inside that container saying, let's stay here. <laughs> but in fact, no, we've we've already created that. This is Neptune in 63. We've already created that beautiful container. We just need to hold hands with each other and walk out into it. And we've got a whole new abundant life out there. It's just very different to what we know. Very well said. Very beautifully said. All right, I'm going to end on a weird question, and you may or may not have any insight on this. But I've been been thinking a lot about this because, you know, I think we're changing and shifting. I have dogs, and I just want to say that I feel like, and and I watch, let me just say I'm backing this up in more than just I have dogs. All of my children are not only, you know, we have very interesting conversations. They're all radical vegans. I mean, and I say radical, I mean, they're animal, animal rights activists and food activists, and they don't have touch any food products. And they have really deep relationships with the animal world and the elemental kingdom. And I personally have a very deep connection with my animals. And I keep thinking about if humanity is evolving and we have all Mm. these shifts and changes is animal consciousness shifting? Because it feels to me that it is, but I'm just curious to see what your take is on it because there's, and if you have any insights on that. Um, n- no. <laughs> However, <laughs> not, certainly not from my work and not something I know much about, but we have animals too and absolutely. I mean, look at YouTube. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I said the other day, look at these animals on YouTube. These animals are when I was a kid, animals weren't that smart. <laughs> exactly. They didn't connect across species. And I mean, yeah. I just watched this movie and I just watched this little video of this grieving mama monkey. And I'm thinking, you know, what? I'm not saying that, I mean, it would make a little more sense that primates would have more of that complexity that we have. But I just keep thinking, you know, I think more is changing than we realize that the entire nature of consciousness in every embodied form seems yes. to be shifting. Yes, absolutely, and and animals for sure. Uh, I've noticed it as well. Um, certainly, our animals that we have now are m- much. I don't. It's not even smarter, is it, Karen? There's something more conscious about them there, than than the animals when we had when we were younger. Yeah, there's definitely a tell. different level of presence, except for the kids, yes. one of my cats. He's but he's he's the old <laughs> model, but the other cats. Well, there's always that. yeah, there's always that odd one that <laughs> doesn't want to make shift. <laughs> so, is there anything you want to share with people before we go? Especially, you know, I think as we're in the sort of dying gasp of the patriarchy, and it feels like yeah. things are sliding backwards. You know, people yeah. are seemingly frightened and concerned. Yeah. What do you want to, what can we tell people? What can you give people to help them stay grounded in the truth of who they are, why things shift and change around them so that they can better make change? Uh, Two things. One is that we are, our brains have um, been designed to, to pay attention to what's dangerous. And so obviously there's this kind of compulsive focus on everything that's bad at the moment. And it's, it's not wrong to be aware of the things that are, um, well, I mean, literally dangerous <laughs> um, in terms of 
government, and we have similar issues, they're not as extreme here. Uh, so it's 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 important that we be aware of what's happening in our world. We're, we're creating on a collective level now rather than an individual level. And so it's important to understand what's happening in the collective and to do the things that you're called to do. Um, you know, if you want to march or, or talk to your, your politicians or whatever. However, what's um, what needs to go hand in hand with that and, and what where there's a really major shift at the moment is that we know that what we put our attention on is what we create. It doesn't mean that you sh- you should keep an eye on what's going on in your world, absolutely, if that's what you want to do. If it's not, that's also good. But we need to be looking at what do I want instead of this? Um, what what kind of government do I actually want? What kind of world do I want to create? And start to live that today. Start to to look for that and and ask for more of that when you do see it. Start to really put your attention on what do I want to create for myself? Because each one of us is, we know, a powerful creator. And you think about the butterfly effect and how what I think, how I feel, what I am envisioning, even if I don't know the details, but I know how it feels, this world that I want to create. So how I am experiencing that more and more and more in each of my days, that impacts the the whole collective it very powerfully, in fact. So it's important that people understand that we are, it, it, it's uncomfortable. It, it can be frightening. It, it can be overwhelming. And that's that's okay. That's okay. It, but it doesn't mean that everything's wrong. What it means is that we're, we're learning that change is a part of the process. We're learning that we're not here to be, but to become to be continually becoming, and we are learning new skills of consciousness that will take us to that place. And we're going into probably another 26,000-year cycle now. That's what we're shifting through. So don't think it all has to be made right now. It <laughs> won't be right now. Just you just, need to, you just need to take the next little step in this process and learn these new tools and, and observe how you're creating um, how you want to create, what your process of creating the life that you want is, rather than trying thinking that you have to feel good um, in the circumstances or that you have to to make something right quickly. Because no, it's a, it, we're in the we're at the beginning of a very very long process. You're going to have plenty of time. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining us on Quantum Conversations. You can connect with Kim Gold. On her website, loveyourdesign.com. Go check it out. Also, check out her blog post. She does amazing blogs, just mind blowing. Um, Thanks, so, Karen. <laughs> great, great, great information. And I just so appreciate everything you bring to the world with your wisdom and knowledge. I really appreciate thank being you, with us today. Thank you. And, and thank you very much for asking me. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Astrology is ultimately the study of archetypes. Archetypes are by nature neutral. Think of the archetype of mother. A mother is simply a person who raises a child, but what you think and feel about the archetype of mother 
creates the experience of mother in your mind, in your body, and ultimately even in your life. The celestial weather brings us archetypal themes. When we work with these themes, we bring our own conditioning, perceptions, and meanings to the forefront of our consciousness. The meanings we give archetypes influence what we create with these concepts. If we believe that abundance is impossible for everyone because we give the archetype of abundance a tight, lack-filled meaning, then we continue to create more lack on the planet. If we believe the peace is possible, then we create the possibility of sustainable peace in the world. What the planets teach us is that anything is possible. Archetypes are fluid and filled with potential. The more we change the meanings we give key archetypes in life, the more potential, the more probability we create for change. And ultimately, we evolve towards a world that is even more beautiful, more abundant, more equitable, and sustainable. If we create our own reality, and we want to consciously change the course of where we are headed, then we have to start first with one of the most important questions facing humanity. Who is the we that creates our reality? The answer to this question lies in the stars and the planets. We come from stardust. Science shows us that we are powered by photons, light, which comes from the sun. We are the sum total of the meaning we give ourselves. Maybe what the world needs most is for us to change the meanings that we've been living. I believe that's the real gift that the planets are giving us right now. They are shining down upon us with light, urging us and pushing us forward to craft new meanings that bring us closer to the true fulfillment of our human potential. If you'd like to discover who you really are and how to give yourself a new set of meanings that reflects the true magnificence of who you truly are, please visit our Quantum Conversations Facebook page. While you're there, you can get your free human design chart and learn more about how to live the life you were created to live. If you love Quantum Conversations, leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Karen Curry Parker. Thank you for joining me today. And thank you for being you. Thanks for listening to Quantum Conversations with Karen Curry Parker. For more information, visit joyfulmission.com.